Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Let's throw some kindling, or rather another log on the fire on the text line here. We have the Heritage Classic jerseys released, ladies and gentlemen. If you have not seen these yet, I suggest you make your way to the internet machine and check it out. It's a really cool take on uh, with the Edmonton Mercuries as the team that goes way, way back. So certainly not a direction I thought they were going to take with the look. We know that they will be wearing these jerseys for uh, all of the encounters in the uh, Battle of Alberta this year, for which we get three, is it? Yeah. Four would be nice. Five would be great. But three will suffice, especially considering one of them's a Commonwealth Stadium. But again, if you're going to invest in one of these, at least you'll get to see uh, a few games worth of action in them. But it leads me to beg the question of you at 780-496-0063. What is the most unique Oilers jersey in your collection? I got a good friend of mine. He's got like probably a hundred sports jerseys, some of them with great meaning, some of them with absolutely no meaning at all. And, and to me, that's kind of the funniest of it all is the, the jersey that you bought, the Ilya Breeze Galov jersey, that, the, the number 80, the goaltender, the Breeze Galov. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. 780-496-0063 is the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Get the new floors you've always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors. 143rd Street, 111th Avenue. They're open Monday to Saturday. So I don't know whether you're going to be investing in one of the new jerseys that dropped today, but I am definitely curious what you have invested in already. Let's bring aboard 630 Cheds inside the game. Analyst Rob Brown here and discuss the last couple of exhibition games. But before we do that, Rob, I do want to hear from you. Do you have a unique uh, sports jersey? Probably not an NHL jersey, but maybe if you did a jersey swap back in the day. Do you have a, a centerpiece of your memorabilia collection? Uh, I never did any jersey swaps. <laughs> I probably should have. I didn't realize how big and expensive and much money you could have made with some pretty cool jerseys and I played with some pretty good guys. Uh, the two big best jerseys I have in my collection, I have my World Junior jersey that I wore when we won the gold medal in Russia. And actually, uh, years and years ago, I lost a sister and we put together this uh, charity event and all kinds of people donated stuff and a lot of different NHL teams and NHL players donated stuff. And one day, uh, we got a package that arrived at her, my mom's house and it was from the Tragically Hip. And the Tragically Hip had heard about my sister and sent a care package to us. And in the care package, it was every uh, CD they ever had, autographed. And they had a Team Canada jersey with the Maple Leaf on the front and Tragically Hip written instead. And all the uh, members of the band signed it. And we put it up for auction at our side, or that was a live auction uh, piece of memorabilia. And my wife outbid Jamie McLennan. For that, so that's probably the most prized one we have. We have a tragically hip autographed Team Canada jersey that my wife brings out every year on July 1st on Canada Day. That is spectacular. That is the exact kind of thing I'm talking about here. Something so personal, and and that uh, what a way to come into that, Rob. It's that's an amazing story. The the jersey from Russia is that from the Punch Up? No, we. I was the year after that. Gotcha. The year they they were in. I think that was in Czechoslovakia where they had the Punch Up. And then the following year, uh, Team Canada, Russia held uh, the World Juniors there, and we beat Russia. I 
think it was 3-2. They didn't have gold medal games back then. It used to be uh, you played every single team who ever had the most points at the end of the tournament won, and uh, both Russia and us were undefeated going into that game. We beat Russia 3-2, and I have the jersey that I wore when we beat the Russians and got a gold medal. Awesome stuff. Rob Brown is our inside the game analyst on 630 Ched. So keeping a keen eye on the last couple of exhibition games for the Edmonton Oilers, the first couple and the last couple, I suppose, but 0-2, though the results don't matter, Rob, I wonder about initial impressions uh, for the Oilers or about the Oilers over the, the couple of games that you've seen now. Um, I like the energy. I thought the games were entertaining considering where they are, you know, four or five days into camp, they're already playing games. Uh, the lineup uh, on home ice wasn't bad. The lineup, obviously, in Winnipeg uh, wasn't strong, and it was sprinkled very lightly with players that might actually play for the Oilers this year. But I, I do like the compete level. Uh, there's players that are looking for spots in Edmonton. There's players that are looking for spots in Bakersfield. There's players just wanting to leave an impression before they move on, whether it's to junior or, or somewhere in the minors. Uh, and they've been fine. Um, obviously, if these games meant anything, uh, Leon and Connor would have been playing in them. So this is right now uh, veteran players feeling out where they are, trying to prepare themselves for the season. And younger uh, or minor league players trying to uh, impress the coaching staff and the management here to show what they're capable of doing, whether it's this year or years down the road. With a keen eye on both Raphael Lavoie and Dylan Holloway, uh, give me a, give me a take on each of those players. A couple of good periods out of Lavoie for sure in that game last night, and I, I noticed a really quality uh, net drive with the two-man advantage there by Holloway as well. Well, Holloway's going to be here, and uh, I, I believe he'll start in a, a third-line bottom six role. And the way he plays and what happens ahead of him in the lineup will dictate whether or not he gets some top six minutes at some point. Uh, he's looked fine. I, I, I think he, in this part of his career, he's just a complimentary player. So you didn't see him driving a line in the preseason. He didn't have the players to play with. But I think he's going to be fine come regular season. Uh, Lavoie, sorry, he uh, actually, it's the first time I'd seen him play. And he actually, okay, big man, got good size. Uh, made a couple really nice plays uh, in the game. Um, I believe that in the pecking order of guys trying to be the 12th or 13th forward, I think he was near the bottom. So he's the one that has to impress the most. There's players that probably are slotted ahead of him right now, but I thought that it was a very good first impression uh, for everyone here that are following this. And he just has to build off of that. I, I would think he, along with all the other players, vying for that 12-13 forward role are going to see a lot of games uh, as we move forward in the in the preseason. And I would expect uh, he's going to get stronger with his with his games because I, I mean I would there's a chance he could be moved or, or waived if he goes down to the minors and you may lose him. So I think he wants to make a good impression whether or not it's to stay here in Edmonton or also to show the rest of the league that hey if this team waves me, I'm capable of playing at this level.
Now, without a doubt, chatting with Rob Brown right now, our Inside the Game analyst here on 6.30, Chad. Uh, 2-1 shootout loss on Sunday night, followed up by a 5 nothing loss in Winnipeg. But the Jets with a, a real veteran-laden lineup, they get four in total in that third period. I'll tell you what I didn't mind about Lavoie, and I say this with a bit of a grain of salt because um, discipline in his previous or early pro career might have been a bit of an issue. He did engage, got a roughing call against Dylan Sandberg last night, but for a guy with the stature of Lavoie, I'd rather see a willingness to engage and have to bring him back a little bit than have to poke him with a cattle prod to go involve himself in a situation. So I, I don't mind that in that context. Well, and then you look at where he's trying to fit in with the Oilers. Uh, the top six, top nine are, are filled right now. He's not going to be put in a position where they are expecting or needing or wanting offense from him. They need a guy to play in the, the fourth line, play hard minutes, be physical, um, get pucks, get in, get pucks out, block shot. Uh, and it, it's tough. I had to change in my career. I had to go from an offensive player to a defensive player late in my career to extend it. And it was easier for me because uh, being around long enough, I understood uh, what was needed of me. And I understood that uh, if I wanted to stay around, I needed to change Younger players, and I've seen lots of them, they don't want to change. They feel, hey, I'm a goal scorer. Someone's going to give me a chance. And four, five, six years down the road, they're still in the minors and uh, without any chance of playing in the NHL because they weren't willing to, to move into what kind of player they wanted to be. Uh, a guy played with a guy named Dean Everson, who's a great coach right now in Minnesota Wild. I think he had 140 or 150 points in junior. He, he went to a team that didn't need any goal scoring. When he turned pro, he ended up being a very good third-line, checking-line center that penalty killed. He understood that if he wanted to play in the National Hockey League, he had to become that kind of player. So you have to look what's ahead of you in your uh, organization, what the team is looking for, and then you got to adapt. And I think that's what he has to do. So I played in one year in Pittsburgh. We brought in a guy named Steve Malte to training camp. And we played against Detroit. Steve Malte was 50-goal scorer every year in the minors. He's trying to make the Pittsburgh Penguins. He was on the power play in Detroit. He scored two goals in the game. After his second goal, he came to the bench. And the coach looked, he was all happy. The coach looked down on him and said, you know what? We already have a guy that wears number 68 here. He's going to be on the power play there. You better learn to block a shot or you're not going to be in the NHL. And it was just a, an eye-opener to this kid. He said, I just scored two goals on the power play. And you're telling me i got to go block a shot? He didn't. He didn't play in the NHL. And I think that's what young players coming up here in Edmonton have to realize. They've got guys that were 97, 29, 93. Those are the guys that are going to be scoring goals. So if you want to play here, block a shot, and play good defense, get in on the forecheck, then you have a chance of staying in the NHL. Chatting with Rob Brown right now, and, and I heard a little bit of what you were saying with respect to shot blocking last night, Rob. I, I think you were uh, talking pregame about that. That's correct? Okay, yeah, just making sure it was you. Uh, and, and it's interesting because you're obviously not going to expect the big guys to be out there doing that. But, hey, you know, there's so there's such an art form. And the one that stands out to me, maybe for the wrong reason, sadly, is Brendan Gallagher is an example of a guy who is so willing to sacrifice. But it's Shea Weber basically claimed months and months off of his career, his own teammate, because of getting in the way of, of this kind of shot. So certainly uh, it's something that can earn you, uh, I guess, the accolades of your teammates and your coaching staff, and it can earn you the good graces or a spot on the team for a guy like Brandon Sutter or Adam Ernie, for example. But uh, there's got to be a, a way of going about it that's 
going to also keep you in the lineup because the best ability, uh, ability, Rob, is availability. Well, you're right. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's an expectation now when it comes to shot blocking. Uh, used to be uh, there'd be certain points of a game uh, in game-saving type of situations where guys would dive in front of a puck. Now you're expected to do it on every shift. It could be game four of the season, five minutes into the first period of a 0-0 game. Well, you better get in that shooting lane because if you don't, guess what? You're not going to get out there again. Now, I I, I mean, I, what I, I think I read last year, I saw that last year, that Austin, Austin Matthews in Toronto was in the top three, if not the best, shot blocker amongst forwards in the NHL. And I'm like, I don't want him blocking shots. I mean, that's a 60-goal scorer. I don't want him breaking a foot. I want him out there scoring goals. So I, I, I don't really think that it's shot blocking is forever. Now, you're in the playoffs. Important moment, yes, every player will block a shot. But I think there's other ways that star players or players that are counted on for certain things offensively can, you know, Stay closer to the guy. Get your stick in the way, because it's. I, I. You don't ask. I'm not asking Derek Ryan to score 120 points this season. So I, to me, I'm not asking Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl to lay down and block a block a shot and risk injury. Guys like that are going to have earned a roster spot a little differently than Leon yeah. and Connor. Uh, Adam Ernie and Brandon Sutter, we've seen a look at each of them. Sutter, uh, I thought, was pretty impressive in that opening game, doing exactly what you hope he's able to do. Now the question is, can he continue doing it game in and, and game out, right? Uh, I wonder what you thought about his game and about that of Adam Ernie last night. Well, first with Adam Ernie, it was tougher for him because of the lineup he played against. Uh, the Oilers' first game, everyone that played in that game played against uh, uh, a Winnipeg Jet team that had, was only sprinkled with veteran players, sprinkled with players that are going to be here. So you, the Oilers should have looked better in that game, and they did. So I, I thought Ernie, uh, I don't know if he was really noticeable in his game in, in Winnipeg, and part of it was uh, just the team that the Oilers dressed compared to what the Winnipeg Jets dressed. I think you're going to have to continue to watch him. He has to be noticed for physical play for tenacity on the forecheck, for uh, penalty killing. Uh, and I think he needs to be noticed more than we saw him in his first game. Sutter, I was impressed with for the simple fact that it had been two and a half years and he battled uh, a disease, long COVID, that left him unable to. It wasn't like he had a broken leg and, okay, I can't do skating, but I can do all kinds of other things to keep myself in shape. He couldn't do anything. So I was impressed with the fact that he's, he did not look out of place stamina-wise. He did not look out of place skating-wise. Um, I, I said after the first period, and then Sutter talked about it after the game, the hands aren't there yet, nor would you expect them to be. But if Sutter gets to 80% of what he once was, that's the type of player the Oilers need. Uh, a right-handed centerman that can win draws in important defensive situations, that is sound defensively. Again, I know that we've seen in the past where the Oilers need more production out of the third or fourth line. They don't. Their top two score enough. Their power play score is enough. They need great defensive hockey out of the third and fourth lines. They need good penalty killing out of those lines. Energy. And if Sutter can give that, then, yeah, I think he's got a very good chance of staying here. But this is one that's not one and done for these guys. They're both going to play five games. And after those five games, the coaching staff and the GM are going to have to sit down and say, okay, we have to get out a contract here. Which one is getting the contract? And uh, right now I think Sutter's a little bit up. 
but we're still four games away before they have to make that decision. Can you talk about the mental Olympics that would be going on for each of those guys? If you've got a situation where maybe you're not, let's just pretend I'm Adam Ernie and I'm not feeling like I had the best game in Winnipeg, but I know that I'm not going to get to necessarily play in that next game. I got to wait another night while someone else is showing the coach how to, uh, how he can perform in a best case scenario. If the coach needs a longer look, you're going to play back to back. But we heard Woodcroft say that he's really going to try and space this out and, and manage the the workload of these guys because there's five preseason games in seven days and eight preseason games overall. So is there something to be said maybe, Rob, for a short memory in a sense? If you, you got to be able to put, uh, if you're not impressed with your own performance, you think you can achieve more, you know, you got to be able to move on quickly? Well, you, you have to, but you don't. <laughs> it, it, it's easy to say, okay, forget about that, put it behind you, you'll be better next game. But if you've got 48 hours or 72 hours before you get to do it again, it's going to play in your mind. You're sitting in the press box watching, and every single player here knows who they're competing against. So if all of a sudden Ernie's sitting up in the stands and Sutter goes out and he wins 80% of his face-offs, throws two hits, is plus one in a hockey game, I mean, as much as Ernie's hoping his team wins, he's also realizing, okay, there's a guy that's battling for my spot that had a good one. Every I've, I've been on a PTO. I went to Pittsburgh on a PTO once and had to earn a roster spot, earn a contract. I know what it's like. I know what they're going through. I know the thought process when you're in your hotel room by yourself trying to figure out what you did right, what you did wrong. You want to play every game. You do not want to sit out because when you sit out, someone else has an opportunity to shine. But any player that is on a PTO is not just auditioning for the Edmonton Oilers. They're auditioning for everyone in the National Hockey League. So as much as they're saying, all right, I want to make the Oilers, I also want to play well enough that if the Oilers decide to go a different direction, that someone else around the league would have seen one of my exhibition games and saw something that they liked. So this is not a a one-team audition. This is an audition for 32 teams. This is where they want to be, but it's a decision they don't get to hold in 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 the palm of their hands. So they want to go and get an opportunity to show what they're capable of doing to not just the Oilers, but to everybody. It's the Oilers and Canucks tomorrow night, 7 o'clock on 6.30. Chad, you'll hear Rob on the, the uh, whoa, just about called it the countdown to kickoff show. Wrong sport, City <laughs> Ford face-off show with Reed Wilkins tomorrow at, uh, where are we at, 5.30 or so. Rob, thanks so much for your time tonight. Sounds good. See you later. All right, Rob Brown, the esteemed member of the Oilers Radio Network, our Inside the Game analyst. For 6.30, Chad, I'll tell you, some guests of Oilers now receive gift cards to Japanese Village, Edmonton's favorite teppanyaki steak restaurant. Book your celebration for the senses at jvedmonton.ca. Some awesome pictures. You can send me a picture of the most unique Oilers jersey in your collection. I'm going to be sharing uh, some of what I've seen here at 780-496-0063 when we get back on Oilers now. Oh, we got so many good text messages. You all have incredible jersey collections. I've got a Boris Miranov text here. Uh, I've got... Somebody has an actual... Their, their hands on a jersey from the 2016 World Cup. Connor McDavid, Team Canada. What's wrong with that picture, though, is that he played for Team North America, not Team Canada in that one. How does that happen? 
Did you get your hands on some unique manufacturer's error? There's a whole bunch of that with the Islanders and the Rangers going on lately. It's hilarious. 780-496-0063. Best, most unique jersey in your Oilers collection, your jersey collection. Let me know. This show is called Oilers Now. We do live in oil country. Brent Ridge Ford, proud to be associated with the show. And they do know that there's a market for some electric vehicles out there as well. The boys at Brent Ridge have a brand new new 2022 Mustang Mach-E GT Premium, originally listed for $93,330, but with some Ford rebates and a large Brent Ridge discount, this SUV now available for just over $73,000. Yeah, they're knocking about twenty dollars off this one, plus uh, GST, of course. If you're considering a new EV, you want a bargain, call Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny and the gang at Brent Ridge Ford, 780-352-60. 48 and remember cars cost less in Wetaskiwin. It's you and me hanging out for the next half hour or so. So, get those texts in. I want to know about your unique Oilers jersey. We'll talk about that after the news.